In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Renters are not landlords. Perhaps you are a renter or you are a landlord and you know exactly what I mean when I make that statement. For example, if you are a renter, you know that at the end of the month, you dread having to pay that check. If you're the landlord, on the other hand, you probably open that check each month with a smile. If you're a renter and something breaks in the house, you may be frustrated, but you probably think to yourself, at least I don't own the place. If you're the landlord, you probably have your heart sink when you receive that 2 a.m. phone call letting you know that your basement has been flooded. Renter, landlord, or neither, you can quickly grasp the idea that renters are not landlords. In the parable of the tenants that we read in our gospel message today, we learn of renters who violently want to be landlords. These renters, or tenants, as they're referred to in the uh, scripture reading for today, know that what the laws of uh, squatters' rights are. That is, they know that if they maintain that vineyard for three years, that vineyard becomes theirs. The land, and so when the owner sends his servants, the uh, renters respond with violence. They beat the first, they kill the second, and they stone the third. The owner sends yet more servants into his vineyard, and yet there, the process repeats itself. There's more beating, there's more killing, and there's more stoning. When Jesus told this parable, he got his Jewish readers or hearers worked up and angry at the renters. You see, it isn't fair. They're abusing the laws that were put in place for squatters' rights. And to their surprise, when Jesus opens up the parable to them, he says, therefore, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you. Jesus tells his hearers, the Pharisees and the chief priests, that you were the ones who put to death the prophets. You were the ones who refused to listen to John the Baptist. You are the violent renters. Jesus worked up his hearers only to turn that parable onto his hearers' heads. And Isaiah uses the same technique in the Song of the Vineyard, which is recorded for us in the Old Testament reading for today. When the landlord asks, what more was there to be done for my vineyard after caring for it, after planting it, after providing everything needed for each of the vines? He asks, what more was there to do? And the answer is obvious. There is nothing more that he could do. 
The vines were unjust. They should have produced good fruit. There's nothing more that the landowner could do. And like Jesus, he then takes his song and turns it on his hearers' heads. Oh, men of Judah, the vines are you. You refuse to listen to the prophets. You put them to death. You are the sour and worthless grapes. Jesus and Isaiah employed the same technique, their parable and their song, working up their hearers only to turn their stories on their hearers' heads. When you and I, having heard Jesus' parables ourselves, um, we would miss the point if we, like the Pharisees, the men of Judah, and the chief priests, thought that their words only applied to them and not ourselves. You see, while it's true, we may not have killed the prophets who were sent to us. How often do we claim the vineyard for ourselves? How often do we want to define the church under our own terms? Perhaps for us, it looks like our desire to transform the liturgy into what we deem right. Perhaps for us, it's conforming our theology to agree with what society says is right and just to avoid any conflict. Perhaps for us, it's thinking that we get enough church at home and that we don't have to come in and receive Christ's body and blood or hear words from pastor or be a part of the community here in the church. You see, when we do each of these things, we are really taking the church, the vineyard, and we are trying to claim it for ourselves. We're trying to repossess it from the owner, the landlord. Israel, Judah, the Pharisees, the elders, you and I, we are the renters and we have a desperate, could even say violent desire to be the owner of the vineyard, the church. So what will the owner do? In truth, he has every right to seek vengeance. See, there is a credible story that originated in 1980s. The king of Jordan at that time was Usain bin Talal. He was the landlord of the country, and he was the king at a time of political unrest. The king was informed that on a particular evening, 75 Jordanian army officers were gathering in a nearby barracks, plotting the king's overthrow overthrow. These rebellious officers are paralleled to those renters in the parable that we talked about and read. Security officers who informed the king of their rebellious plot asked the king what they should do. You see, the king had it all. He knew where the rebels were. He knew what they were doing. All he had to do was give the order, and the rebels would be arrested and killed. 
he, like the landlord in the parable, had every right to seek vengeance. Having been informed of this subversive plot, the king called for a helicopter. He got into the helicopter with the pilot, and he flew to the flat-roofed barracks. He exited the helicopter, and when he did so, he told the pilot to stay in the, the helicopter. If the pilot heard gunshots, he was to leave at once. The king descended to the floor where the rebels were meeting, and finding them, he spoke quietly. He warned the rebels of the bloodshed, the civil war, and the unrest that would unfold if they carried out their plan. Rather than taking the lives of many, he asked that they take just one, his own. See, the king's citizens were threatened. The king wanted none of it. He could have chosen vengeance, but instead he made a noble decision. He exposed himself and was vulnerable. See, in the parable for today that we read, God, the landlord of the parable, makes the same decision. Imagine how much it must have pained him to see all of the prophets that he sent to Israel killed and beaten. Imagine how much it continues to pain him when he sees his word being sent out to be ignored, perhaps in the form of transforming or the desire to transform the liturgy, change our theology, or make church whatever we deem and desire it to be. In these circumstances, he has every reason to, to act with vengeance, but instead he acts nobly. In verse 37, finally he sent to them, sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. God, the landlord, sent his beloved son, Jesus Christ. He is the one who became vulnerable when he took on human flesh, taking on our illnesses, our sicknesses. God, the landlord, sent Jesus to show just how vulnerable he was willing to be when Jesus hung there, lifeless, on a cross. Our sin being what nailed him there. And God, the Lord, the landlord, continues to send him today. So amid all the dishonor that we show in church, when we try to define church under our own terms, changing its theology, making the liturgy what we want, or choosing not to come to church at all, God has promised to give us his own presence. In our baptisms, we are called his children. He gives us his Holy Spirit in and, in and through the working of his word. And he promises to be here bodily in 
the body and blood of Christ that we receive at the Lord's Supper. See, in each of these, he puts his name at stake by how, and it is put at stake in the way that we conduct our own lives. Amid our dishonor, our violent schemes, God acts nobly, and he makes himself vulnerable. He, and he does this because he wants his tenants to be partakers in his harvest. He does this because he wants his partaker or his servants, his renters, his tenants, to be partakers in his harvest. I cannot imagine what must have been going on each of those rebels' minds when the king walked into the room. Here they were planning an overthrow of the military, and the very man that they saw dead just walks in. Well, this meeting went better than planned. And yet, after seeing the king's extreme act of honor, after hearing his deep care and concern for his own people, the king fanned into flame those rebels' dying sense of honor. Each of those rebels repented. One by one, they paid homage to the king and pledged their loyalty. In his display of vulnerability, the king won back his officers. The king wanted them to be partakers in his kingdom. And God, the landlord, seeks the same for each of you. He wants each of us to repent, to trust in the Son whom he sent, and to be partakers, enjoying the fruit of the vineyard. He wants us to receive his own kingdom. And in our baptism, we already are partakers. We were the ones who were brought into the kingdom and given all that is Jesus's own. As scripture says, the son gave his life as a ransom for many. It's a bit ironic if you think about it. To some extent, the renters were right. They thought that by killing the son, they would receive the inheritance. It's ironic because it was by the death of the Son that God gives each of us his inheritance. It wasn't by squatter's rights, though. Rather, God willingly sends his Son to die so that all who repent and believe in him receive his inheritance. In the name of Jesus, amen.